Hi, this is Ann Robertson, the pastor of the United Methodist Church of Westford in Westford, Massachusetts. This is the sermon from yesterday, October 1st, which was also World Communion Sunday. Although it's not a communion-based sermon, we're continuing talking about calling, as we have talked for the past few weeks about God's call on our lives. And this one is called Equipped for the Job. It's really a more practical sermon about how we can tell what God is calling us to do once we recognize that God is calling in the first place. The other main thing happening in the congregation is, in addition to staff, our former pastor, Dr. Wayne Kendall, is coming back in his retirement and is joining the staff as a pastoral visitor. So it's fit with calling and each person in the body of Christ doing their job. Please remain standing for the New Testament lesson, which doesn't come from one of the Gospels, but comes from Ephesians in chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Paul writes, The gifts God gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children, tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Last week, we left off with a ringing phone. And I want you to remember that because each one of us has a phone that's ringing off the hook. God is calling you and wanting to be in relationship with you. The notion of calling isn't first about ordained ministry, work in the church, or any kind of particular work at all. That comes, but it's not the first thing we're called for. Calling is first and foremost about relationship with God. God wants to be in relationship with you. And that's the primary offer that comes with the ringing phone. That was point number one last week. And once we've accepted God's offer of relationship, then comes conversation about what work we might do in God's kingdom. And the next piece of the conversation is more specifically about the equipment and the training that we'll need to do whatever our next task for God is to be. When we know that, that there's going to be this conversation with God about our training and the next steps and what we need to do, we can better hear God's voice because we know what we're listening for. Just from day-to-day -day experience, we know it's easier to hear someone when we expect the next words in the conversation. Sometimes with my mother in the state that she is with Alzheimer's, most of her sentences don't make any sense. And it's really difficult 
to be in conversation and to hear what she's saying because it's not based with, it doesn't have any kind of connection to what I just said or what's happening. The words are all mixed up. And we know that just from going down the street. If we say to somebody, hi, how are you? We're expecting to hear some form of fine thanks or rotten, it was a terrible week. But if somebody answers that question with Siberian tigers are about to become extinct, we might say, what? <laughs> Not because we didn't hear it right because we weren't expecting that kind of a conversation. So one way to hear God is to realize that once we realize God is calling and once we say yes to that offer of relationship, the next major conversation that God's going to be having with us is about our equipment and about our training for what needs to come next. Now that's frustrating because once we know God is calling us, we want to get on with it. But learning patience is part of the training. I hate that part. Praying for patience is a really bad idea, in case you don't know that, because then you get all of these frustrating experiences that help you build that patience. God will answer that prayer. But I shudder to think what, if ha what would have happened if I'd gone straight from my sense of recall to ministry at age 14 right into the pulpit. That would have been a bad thing. <laughs> I would have been a menace to the gospel. The calling was certain. I'd established my relationship with God from childhood. And then the conversation came at 14, okay, this is where I want you to go. But there's going to be some training along the way. I needed a lot more schooling. And I needed a lot more of life before I was going to be ready for the job. Now, I wasn't idle in the meantime. God had other jobs that were appropriate to my age and stage. But I was 35 years old before I formally became a minister. Which brings us to a second point, which is related. God will begin your training whether or not you answer the phone. Your phone has been ringing since birth, which is one of the beliefs behind our practice of infant baptism. God is there first before we know it, calling us, and that relationship can begin before we can even speak. I can't remember a time in my life when I didn't know God. I think I could pray before I could talk. So my mother was there by my side. The call for relationship always comes first, and it's there from birth. But that doesn't mean we always answer the call before our training begins. By the time we answer the phone, we might have a lot of training under our belt even though we don't yet realize that we've been being prepared for something that God has in mind for us. My parents saw no future at all in my German and English major in college. And when I came home with classes in Latin and Hebrew and Greek and biblical archaeology, they said, she's unemployable, <laughs> we're doomed. <laughs> but it turned out to be perfect preparation for ministry even though seminary was going to be another 14 years down the road. We can see the lessons all through the Bible. As Matt read for us, Samuel is just a child when he answers God's call. He's had a tiny bit of preparation. His mother Hannah has left him in the temple 
to serve there for life. But he still has a lot to learn before God actually deploys him as a prophet for Israel. Moses, on the other hand, is an adult with a wife and kids before he picks up the phone. And most of his training is already behind him. But even their first real conversation in Exodus is still about equipment and training, with Moses insisting that he doesn't have any, he can't talk right and get somebody else, God, and God trying to prove that he does have what he needs. In the New Testament, we see Jesus calling the disciples. They need to travel with Jesus for three years. They need his teaching. They need the experience of his death and resurrection. And they need the power of the Holy Spirit before they're ready to be sent out as apostles. That's where they switch. The word apostle means to be sent out. And the disciples become apostles at the point that they're deployed fully into God's service. During the three years, they get excited about things. They learn to perform miracles. They discover that Jesus is the Messiah. But Jesus refuses to turn them loose just yet, except in limited missions here and there. He says, don't go anywhere yet. Don't tell people I'm the Messiah yet. You don't yet understand what that means. Even after his death and resurrection, he says, wait, stay here in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit will come. Paul has this amazing conversion experience on the road to Damascus. He's struck blind by a great light of God and hears God's call audibly. Another man comes to him and tells him exactly what God wants him to do. God has anointed Saul to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul preaches for a few days, enough to prove his conversion from a persecutor of the church to an adherent of the faith. And then God essentially puts duct tape over his mouth and sends him back to Tarsus for 14 years. It sounds in Acts like he immediately picks up and goes out to convert all of Asia Minor. But he doesn't. He's got 14 years of training and growth before he's ready to be sent out. Okay, so how do I know what equipment and training I have or what I still need? What does that look like? Paul tells us several things in the passage I read in Ephesians and also back in 1 Corinthians where there's a similar listing of gifts and natural talents. Every single ability we have whether it's a natural aptitude for music or math or teaching or a spiritual gift of discernment or healing or prophecy. They're all gifts that are given to us for work in God's service. Our gifts can become traps for us or even prisons if we think that these gifts are given only for ourselves. Our gifts and our talents are part of the equipment that we get to be deployed in God's service. If I took our Sunday morning offering and went out and bought a car with it, you'd probably be upset about that because that's not what you gave it for. You gave it for the work of God's kingdom and not for my personal gain. And it's the same thing with all of God's gifts. We're given them to use for God, not for us to earn a lot of fame or money or whatever. When we realize that that's how God operates, 
that God gives us gifts to equip us for whatever work God has called us to do, we can clean up some of the static on the phone line and hear God a little more clearly. Do you want clues about what God has in mind for you? Look at what you're good at. Look at what you really have a passion for doing. When I got to a point of questioning my own call to ministry, as many of you know, I sort of had a bout with fundamentalism and believed that women shouldn't be in the pulpit, and then I said, ooh, I'm planning to be one. That's sort of a bad combination. And I questioned my own calling for a while. And I made a list of the things that other people told me that I was good at. And I made a list of the things that I really enjoyed doing. Any of those things independently could have led to a different career. But the only direction that fit all of them together was ministry. That wasn't the only part of my answer, but it was an important part. And I still remember the incredible sense of freedom that I had when I realized that God would call me to something that I actually loved doing. You know, we, we hear a lot in the church about sacrifice and going forward no matter what, and I had absorbed that and I was ready for that, but I'd heard it so much that I came to feel that God only called us to snake-infested swamps somewhere and I was just going to have to suck it up and go do God's will and it was going to be awful, but I'd do it. What freedom it was to realize that God would call me to something that I enjoyed, that I was good at. And when I thought about it, that only made sense even just from a secular business point of view. What employer is going to say, well, gee, what do you hate doing? Yeah, I think we'll have you do that. You know, if you put all your employees in jobs that they're not good at and that they hate, business isn't going to go very well. And if it doesn't make sense from even a secular business perspective, God's the best business manager around. God is not going to make that kind of mistake. It only makes sense to put us in service in the areas that we have an aptitude for, in the areas that make our hearts sing when we do them. Any job has its aspects that are unpleasant. But we'll stay longer and be more productive if we're serving in the areas that we enjoy and that we're good at. So if you want clues about the work God has for you, your own natural gifts and talents that are gifts from God are clues to that. It'll have something to do with those things. Ask those who know you well to help you identify, what are you good at? Those conversations and realizations are part of the ways that God speaks to us. Our gifts and talents are our equipment, and the daily experiences of our lives are our training. God might be saying to you that you need to recognize some gifts you've been given, or you need to practice and hone some of the talents that you have. But it might be that all the equipment is in place, but there's still some life training that's needed. Maybe you need some of that patience that it's so hard to pray for. Maybe there are other rough edges in life or a time that you need to get through before you're completely healed and ready. Jesus had all the gifts and equipment he needed 
to begin ministry at age 30. But still, even with Jesus, the first place God takes him is out in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And Jesus spends 40 days in the wilderness. It's not that the devil trapped him. Scripture says the spirit led him there, out into the wilderness. There was still one little bit of refinement, even for Jesus, that was needed before he was really ready to begin. And often it's that way with us, too. I was a talented and gifted kid. Most of my gifts and talents were pretty well developed by the time I was 20. But I hadn't yet been to the wilderness. And there were major lessons that I needed to learn in that wilderness time. God may simply be saying, you just need to hang out in class for a while. Keep doing your homework. And that might be your work for now, to continue the training, to go through and face whatever is facing you currently in life, to learn to face that with God. But Anne, I'm 85. I've retired from my career, and there's not a whole lot of time left for training. Or Anne, I'm 12. Nobody is going to let me go to work yet. I guess I can't do anything for God until I'm older. If you feel those things, then I refer you back to last week. God's calling is first and foremost about relationship. God knows how old you are. God knows your life circumstances. And God has meaningful work for every one of us as long as we continue to draw breath. God has a purpose for every single stage of our lives. There's no such thing as retirement in the kingdom of God. You can't be in an age or a condition where you're of no use to God. Just a simple prayer can move mountains. God is love. When Paul talks about the gifts that were given in 1 Corinthians 12, that's only the preface that leads up to the last line of that chapter that says, but now I'll show you a still more excellent way. And then goes on to say, if I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And learning that love is some of the training. We can have all the great gifts in the world, but if they're not deployed with love, they're nothing. God is love. And it's the voice of love on the other end of the phone. The call is an offer of loving relationship and will contain instructions on how to pass that love along to others in the unique way that God has created you to do so. If you're listening for the harsh word, for the word of judgment, for the invitation to the snake-infested swamp, I think it's going to sound like static. But if you listen for the loving word, the word of encouragement, the word of hope, then you just might find that the static on the line clears some. You might feel free enough to see the gifts that you've already been given and the training that you already have, and hopeful enough to accept some of the trials as what's still needed for the great work that God has for you to do. God is calling. Pick up the phone. Amen. 
Thanks for subscribing to Spirit Walker Sermons. If you're ever in the area, stop in for worship at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 10 Church Street in Westford, Massachusetts. Love to have you stop by my website at www.annrobertson.com, where you can also subscribe to a weekly devotion, which you can receive either as an email or a podcast. I'd love to hear from you via email at ann at annrobertson.com. Thanks again for subscribing, and I hope your week is filled with God's blessings.